This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Rangers looking for their seventh straight win. No Adam Fox, no Philip Heedle, no Igor Shesterkin tonight. So uh, Rangers all of a sudden bit with the injury bug. We'll see how the and this Fox thing looks like it could linger for a bit. So is he the most indispensable? I would say he's the most indispensable skater on the Rangers for sure. The only other player on the roster who I think you could put into that category as far as being indispensable for a period of time is Shesterkin. But I think Adam Fox is right at the top of that list as far as players who you can't afford to lose. And I'll speak about that with Dave Maloney on the pregame and get the thoughts of the former Rangers captain. As far as the football weekend goes, you know, quick thought. And we'll get back to the phones in a moment. 1-800-919-3776. Quick thought. Notre Dame lost today. Uh, I know we don't we do not do a ton of college football on this show. They lost to Clemson. Clemson's been bad this year. I think they were 4-4 four and four coming in. And Notre Dame goes down to Clemson. Uh, 12 noon start. It's not the same Clemson team that they were. They really haven't been the same since, since Trevor Lawrence's last season. They haven't been able to find that replacement and keep it at the dominant level. Dabo Sweeney had it going at the highest level for a good five-year stretch. He won two national championships, one with Deshaun Watson, one with Trevor Lawrence. It's hard to sustain it for longer than a four-, five-year period, which is why what Nick Saban has done over now 15 years at Alabama has been so impressive. But Clemson has really come back to the pack. And, you know, this Notre Dame team, the coach, Marcus Freeman, young coach, it's his second full season. He was promoted from the defensive coordinator to become the full-time head coach when Brian Kelly left to go to LSU two years ago. Terrific recruiter. And I'll say this, that I think Notre Dame right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has as much talent as it's had in the last five or six years. They've got a guy who could be, in certain circumstances, a Heisman Trophy quarterback in Sam Hartman. Unfortunately, he's only here for a year because he's a grad transfer from Wake Forest, so this is his last year of eligibility. They, they've they missed a golden opportunity this year. This Notre Dame team, and Notre Dame fans know this, in recent years, the team has gone to the college football playoff twice. About 10, 11 years ago, they went to the college football national championship game, and Every time they go, 10 years ago, they played against Alabama. Um, their recent trips to the college football playoff uh, against Clemson, they've been non-competitive in those games. They just didn't have the athleticism on the field. They didn't have the explosiveness during the regular season. They were a regular season team, but when they got to the highest level of the college football playoff, they were just overmatched. I really, really do think that this team, with the athleticism, the explosiveness, especially on the offensive side of the ball, could have, I'm not saying they could have won a national championship this year, but if they were able to make it into the college football playoff, they could have put forth a much, much more representative effort than they have in their previous trips there. But they lose the heartbreaking game on the last play of the game with one second left to Ohio State. Okay, Ohio State's undefeated. Right now, they're number one in the college football playoff. If that was your only loss, and if, if it stopped right there, then Notre Dame would have gone to the college football playoff. There's no question in my mind if that was their only loss. But then a couple of weeks later, 
they lose to Louisville on the road and lost handily. And now today, you go down to Clemson, and the Louisville loss essentially ended any chance at the college football playoff, even though they turned around and took it to USC. Took it to USC. And then today losing to Clemson, a 4-4 four and four Clemson team that's not the same as it has been in recent years. So now you're sitting at 7-3. and three. And since this coach took over, okay, and, and Notre Dame under Brian Kelly, say what you want, for the last five or six years of Brian Kelly, this team lost one, two, maybe occasionally three games a year. A consistent top 10 team, not in that upper echelon of the LSUs and Alabamas and Georgias and Ohio States and Michigans now, not in that group or Clemson's back then, but on the next tier. This coach has now been the coach for 24 games with this level of talent. Terrific recruiter. You can't, you, you see the talent that he's brought in. You've got to give him credit for that. But as far as getting them to accomplish the actual goal of winning games, I just, I, I don't. From what I've seen, I don't see that he's the answer. I don't see that he's the answer at Notre Dame. He's 16 and 8. He's 16 and 8 since taking over. With this talent level, that 24 game record should be something like 20 and 4, 21 and 3. And that's where Brian Kelly had this program. And, you know, you see this sometimes in sports. I mean, did he earn it, Freeman, from the standpoint of he's the guy who was bringing in all of this talent that Kelly was winning with? Yeah, if you look at it that way, he probably did to a certain degree. But you still have to coach the talent, all right? That's still the end goal. And that's why there's so few people like Saban or what Kirby Smart is doing in Georgia right now. You need a guy who can recruit the talent, and you need a guy who can coach the talent. This guy can clearly bring in the talent, and it's a shame. You know, I know there's a lot of Notre Dame fans still listening it's a shame because it, this just feels like for Notre Dame this year was a lost opportunity. This is a year where you could have gone to the college football playoff if you had just stemmed the tide. And the Ohio State loss was brutal. You had that game. You dominated the game. You had to come from behind with a big drive in the fourth quarter. And at the very end, they put together a drive. They put together a big fourth down play. They scored with one second left, and they handed you a brutal loss. But if it had just stopped there and you were able to run the table, beat Louisville, they beat Duke, um, they dominated against USC. If you had beaten Clemson, and you were a one-loss team right now, you were on your way to the college football playoff, and it's a shame they missed that opportunity because they would have competed in the college football playoff this season, but that ship has sailed. So, you know, we'll, we'll see going forward. Um, you know, sometimes you just get a feel, and you, you see the talent level, and it doesn't translate to wins and losses, and, and maybe I'm being too hard on the coach. He's a first-year head coach, but like I said, there's a lot of turnover in these positions, more so than there has ever been, and I just look at the talent on this Notre Dame roster, and it's unlike talent on Notre Dame rosters in years past, and they're just not winning with it, and that's a shame. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. Buddha in the Bronx. Buddha, what's shaking? You know, Pat, I've been working late, and I'm catching a lot of the Knicks games on the radio, and uh, you and Monica, you're doing a good job. I'm glad you got that gig, bro. 
Thanks a lot, Buddha. Well, Ed, Ed's due back, so I'm holding down the fort until Ed Cohen's back, but Monica and I are having a great time working together in the meantime, so I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it's a good energy. Um, now, with these Jets versus Chargers, first before the game, actually, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. You know, when you were talking about Justin Herbert, I mean, God, you want to talk about a player that gets handled with kick gloves by the media. I mean, when you look at Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, they get way more criticism than he gets, and they've accomplished more. I mean, it's not like it's his second year in the league. It's just, I think this is his fourth season. I mean, could he win a playoff game before he gets anointed as, as, as like, this great player? He reminds me of Stafford. When Stafford first came in, I mean, the coaching was questionable. You know, you saw all of the talent, but, you know, the rudimentary and, and, and the minutia of playing the quarterback position – you didn't see as much. You saw the wild plays, but um, I forget somebody said it. They said, like, if you're going to be go from being a, a good quarterback to being a great quarterback, you're going to do the smaller things at a high level and then once in a while make the wild plays. He's got it the other way around. You know what I mean? I do. And that's a very, very good way to describe what he's done so far. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not rooting for him in any way, definitely not this week. But um, he needs to turn that around. Well, here, here's so, the thing. I'll, I'll, I'll let you get on to your other point. But the, the thing about this is this. First of all, you say, can you win a playoff game? I mean, he was up 27 to nothing last year. And, and he has benefited. This coach is, A, unconventional. And, look, unconventional works if you win. This coach hasn't won. So when you're unconventional and you don't win, then you're going to get a lot of criticism. And I think that this coach has shielded a ton of that criticism from Justin Herbert, which is why I think people got excited. And I don't know if it's going to happen with this report last week that Bill Belichick had signed a contract extension with the Patriots. Belichick can still coach. Belichick putting together this roster the last few years, that has not worked out. But I think people, myself included, Buddha, got excited about the prospect of Belichick coaching Justin Herbert because then all bets are off. Now there's not going to be the head coach to blame. Now it's all on you. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how excited I'd be about that for <laughs> you know as a Jets fan. I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with the Chargers not being good for a while, but um, look, with the actual game, you know, to me, this is a must-win for the Jets, and it's a must-win for Salah specifically. You know, we've seen this team last year, you know, have that mid-season, uh, you know, push where they won a lot of games in a row. And then falter late. And in fairness, you know, to Salah, due to injury, you know, whether it was White or whether it was Rodgers, and then also with the up-and-down play from Wilson, you, you can make the case that he has never really had a quarterback, you know, definitely not for a full season. But, you know, with Rodgers down, I, I see this as an opportunity for Salah to kind of change the narrative about himself, which I don't think he would have been able to do because Rodgers would have got all the credit if the Jets, you know, if he would have stayed healthy and the Jets, would, you know, had a good record. If he gets the Jets to nine wins or better, and, and this might not even lead to a playoff berth for the Jets, but if he gets to nine wins or better, you know, it, it will legitimize the narrative, you know, to me anyway, that he has improved as a coach. You know, uh, the clock management stuff and, and, and some of the way that they're still handling Wilson, I get it. You don't want to, uh, you know, put him in harm's way or have him put the, the, the team in harm's way. But, you know, if, I think if he was an offensive head coach, they would have developed him a little bit better and at least had, like, a, a game plan where, you know, they could let him cut it loose every once in a while. I mean, and believe me, I'm not a big Wilson fan at all. But 
you know, unless the Jets are going to, like like I said, if they get to, like, nine wins, let's say they get to nine wins or even possibly ten wins, because ten wins you could still not make the playoffs the way things shake out. I don't see where it would make sense to get rid of him next year. You know, unless you're going to get Jim Harbaugh, then I'd be all in for that. But, you know, to get another coordinator, I would prefer to see if he would just have one more year of growth. You come back, and hopefully Rodgers comes back healthy or not. But he has to get to nine wins. Eight wins, seven wins. You know, like I said, he hasn't had a quarterback. But, you know, the way things shook down in the AFC, we all thought this team was going to be that. And it always turns out like that. There's injuries. Yep. There's poor play. It happened you know. to the Jets. Yeah, yeah. They got to they gotta get to nine wins, Pat. They, they have to. If they don't get to nine wins, then I, I can't see you bringing him back. I agree, Buddha. Thanks for the call. If he gets to nine wins, I think he deserves to keep his job. I mean, look at this schedule, right? Bills at Cowboys, Pats, and at the beginning, I'm talking about if you looked at the Jets' schedule beginning of the season, a lot of people thought the Pats were due for a bounce back. You know, the AFC East was thought to be a crapshoot. Like, any of the four teams could win it. I mean, it's funny to think about that now because you've got the Dolphins and the Bills up here, you've got the Jets in the middle, and the Pats are terrible. But if you looked at the Jets' schedule beginning of the season, Bills at Cowboys, Pats, Chiefs, at Broncos, who people also thought were going to be improved. Eagles, and then at the Giants. Nobody knew what the Giants were going to become. Nobody knew that when you played the Giants on uh, late October that Tommy DeVito was going to be the quarterback. With Aaron Rodgers, if you go through that stretch at 4-3, and three, if you had Aaron Rodgers, I don't think Jets fans would have been upset with that. So they've gone through that stretch. They're still 4-3. and three. And you haven't had Aaron Rodgers but for four plays. So in that respect, yes, Sal has done a good job holding this thing together. Has it been pretty? No. The Jets season, and I alluded to this earlier in the show, this Jets season reminds me a lot so far of last year's Giants season. It does. You know, the Giants in the beginning of the season, they won games that normally they wouldn't have won. Even the first game, they fell behind, I think, 13-0 to Tennessee. Barkley leads them to a second-half comeback. Daniel Jones throws a bad interception. Giants score. Dayball rolls the dice, goes for two, goes for the lead, gets it, dials up a perfect play. But still, Tennessee drives. And by the way, it was Bullock, who the Giants just signed and is now their kicker. He goes out for a makeable game-winning field goal last year in Week 1, and he misses it. And just like that, the Giants have a win. The Giants were down, I think, 14 or 10 points to the Ravens last year. And Lamar Jackson had an awful, awful interception in the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson. You don't expect him to make that play. He melted down in the fourth quarter against the Giants last year. Giants came back, won that game. They weren't supposed to win that game. The London game. Um, Saquon Barkley gets nicked up. Sits out virtually the entire fourth quarter. Giants are still able to move the ball up the field against the Packers. You go into London, you knock off Aaron Rodgers, and you beat the Packers. That's not a game they were supposed to win. The Jets season, and by the way, how did the Giants season end up last year? You win enough of those games. I don't care if they're pretty. I don't care if the kicker from Tennessee missed the field goal. I don't care if Lamar Jackson threw an uncharacteristic interception. You win the game, you don't have to give those wins back. You know, the Bills game, all right, Josh Allen threw three interceptions and fumbled the ball. He turned the ball over four times. 
and then you get a punt return touchdown in overtime. You don't have to give that win back. The Eagles, Jalen Hurts throws that terrible interception. You're down 14. The Eagles don't score again the rest of the game. You don't have to give that win back. And then don't get me started on the Giants game last week. I think we've covered that enough this week, right? So those are three games that arguably the Jets had no business winning. Eagles, Giants, Bills, but they did. So instead of being 1-6, and six, they're 4-3 and three with a top-notch defense. And by the way, it wasn't all happenstance. Yeah, they were fortunate that Allen played as poorly as he did and that Hurts played as poorly as he did and that Dayball coached as poorly as he did. They were fortunate for all those things, but those weren't the only reasons why they won those games. Their defense is one of the best in the NFL. Their defense kept them in all of those games with a chance to win. They kept them in the Bills game. They kept them in the Eagles game. They kept them in the Giants game. So if you're if, if you're superior on one side of the ball, more often than not, you're going to have a chance to win. And that's where the Jets are right now. And 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 they're four and three. Their record reflects that. They're in the hunt. These next two games are crucial. This game, the the entire season could swing on this game on Monday night against the Chargers. Week nine, MetLife Stadium. Monday night football, the entire season could be in the balance. You win this game, you're five and three, and you go and you face the mess that is the Las Vegas Raiders next week with a really good chance to go to six and three. You lose this game, you're back to five hundred. The Chargers have now uh moved ahead of you in the standings because they would have the tiebreaker. You've now lost an extra conference game, which would affect your tiebreaker down the line against maybe the Browns maybe the Steelers, and you've lost another game that you had a chance to win. I mean, plain and simple, if, and I, I don't know what the odds are, you know, ESPN does those FPI percentage um, chances to make the playoffs, to not make the playoffs. I'd be very curious. I bet I bet if the Jets win this game on Monday, their chances of making the playoffs are above 50%. And I bet if they lose this game, their chances of making the playoffs drop into the 30s in terms of percentage points. That's just my guess. That's my my gut reaction. I think there's that much riding on this game on Monday night. A lot of people want to weigh in. Uh, we've got football. We've got the Knicks, 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you till the top of the hour on 98.7 ESPN New York. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Dangerous hockey for you later tonight. I'll be back with you for the pregame show at 7.30. Then Don LeGrec and Dave Maloney have the call of the Rangers and the Wild from St. Paul, Minnesota at 8 p.m. Rangers looking for their seventh straight win under head coach Peter Laviolette. They started the season 2-2. Two and two. They went on that five-game road trip through Seattle and Western Canada, won all five games, came home the other night and beat the Hurricanes for their sixth straight win. That win came at a cost. They lost Adam Fox. They lost Philip Hedl. Igor Shesterkin banged up as well. So we'll see what they look like or sound like on the ice later tonight when they take on the Wild. Pat O'Keefe with you till the top of the hour, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. Hey, Jose. 
Hey, good afternoon, Pat. Shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to chime in on today's world of sports. Um, two quick points. One, one is the Nick point, but the first uh, off, because I was listening to you got you and Buddha speak earlier about the Jets situation, and I do agree. If Rob Sala does get to nine wins, I do think that that's um, worthy of keeping his job. In my mind, it's worthy of like actually winning Coach of the Year because, unlike Buddha, I don't think Zach Wilson with a better offensive coach would have been better because I'm one of those that just felt like this was a draft bus waiting to happen and once you kind of know that and it's everything's been confirmed I'm like it, it, it when you have Sam Rosen and all these other you know people to pick from like where you kind of saw it wasn't going to work out you don't you, you you don't need to make up a scenario where it kind of bad mouths all, all, all the other situations where we saw every quarterback be better and it wasn't the coordinators fault or the or or Salah or anyone else but well you know, they're, hold, they're holding it together so far they're Jose yeah, they're holding so it together so far Hopefully. So here's the jet. Here's the nit point. The thing is with me, it, 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 like I said before, it, it, if there is a expectation of them being one of the top half teams of the Eastern Conference, then they need to kind of close out these games. And my concern is with the Julius Randle, if he's really not healthy, and this, you know, uh, you know arthroscopic surgery because there wasn't any they found that there wasn't any real damage and they didn't need to go in there and open it up and have to do any repairs if this is taking long like isn't it time for tips to kind of dial back at least a little bit of the minute to kind of see you know what other big men could be serviceable at this point? I know, you know, we're, we're kind of light on big men, but it's kind of like we, we, we can't just, you know, expect him to play heavy, you know, 35, 35, 38 minutes and have this horrible shooting percentage if it's not going to get better if he's, you know, if he if he is compromised. And that's just what I wanted to throw out there, Pat. Thank you Jose, for your time. I appreciate the call. The problem with that is the Knicks roster construction, and this is – this is where the OB Toppin trade comes back because I understood in the summer and I, I, I walked through it when the Knicks traded Toppin to Indiana for two second round draft picks. Now, a lot has changed since then. At the time, my explanation was Toppin is eligible for a rookie extension, as was Emmanuel Quickly, as we know, and as will be Quinton Grimes next season. The, the Knicks, and this is the double-edged sword of the NBA, if you draft too well. And the Knicks have drafted pretty well. Quickly at number 25, really good draft pick. Quentin Grimes at number 25 overall the next year, really good draft pick. Toppin at number 8, that was a miss, considering Tyrese Halliburton was still on the board, and he's an all-star point guard now. But Toppin was still a rotation player. But my point is, if you ranked quickly Toppin Grimes in order of importance to the franchise, no matter how you go quickly or Grimes, one, two, two, one, Toppin was always number three on that list. You couldn't pay all three guys going forward. You couldn't sign all of them to a rookie extension. So Toppin was the most viable guy to get rid of because you weren't going to pay him. Now, the idea was you get rid of Toppin, you could pay two out of the three. So now you could pay quickly and you could pay Quentin Grimes. Well, the Knicks didn't pay quickly. I mean, I don't I don't know the final figures as far as the negotiations. I know there was a negotiation right up until the deadline uh, the Monday before the season started, but they did not come to an agreement. So, Emmanuel quickly 
is now going to be a restricted free agent. So you traded Toppin because you knew you weren't going to pay him, and you traded him presumably with the idea that now you could pay quickly in Grimes. Well, now you didn't pay Toppin. You traded him. Okay, that's fine. But now you haven't paid quickly. So you might still have to pay him next year. We'll see how that plays out. And you still have the option to pay Grimes if he's in position to merit that next offseason. But they didn't need to trade Obi Toppin when they did. They could have started the season with Obi Toppin because he he had a important role on this roster as the backup power forward because essentially you replaced Obi Toppin with Dante DiVincenzo. Now DiVincenzo, he's been good one game and not so good the next. He's been often alternating good and not so good performances so far. It's only six games. He's shown some good signs as being a nice piece. But he doesn't give you what Toppin did. Toppin didn't give you a lot. You know, the problem with Toppin was he was stuck behind the guy who leads the team in minutes and is your all-star and your all-NBA player. So if Randall's playing 36 minutes a game, that only leaves 12 left for Obi Toppin. But the problem is who's playing those minutes. And the problem also is, like I pointed out earlier in the show, if Randall is not playing well, you don't have another option. So you can't shut Randall down. You can't dial back his minutes, as Jose suggested right now, because who's going to take those minutes? As it is, the Knicks are struggling trying to fill those backup power forward minutes. I mean, Josh Hart, Josh Hart is a tough dude, and he's always been a really, really good rebounder, especially for a guard, but he's six foot four. You know, we were in Cleveland before Tuesday's game talking with Josh Hart, and we asked him about guarding Donovan Mitchell. Because last year in the playoffs, Hart guarded Donovan Mitchell. And he said, my role this year isn't really to guard Donovan Mitchell. He said, my role is to guard Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley, he's a 6'11 center. In the first game, he guarded Josh Hart, guarded Al Horford. He guarded Zion Williamson in New Orleans a little bit. Jalen Johnson, the backup power forward for the Atlanta Hawks. Those are tough assignments for Josh Hart. So to scale back on Randall's minutes more because of his shooting percentage right now, that's going to hurt you in other areas. Now, what, what you'd like to see is Randall himself scale back on his volume of shots because Randall is a good passer, even last night, right? Another double. Randall, and, and I've been saying this since day one, except for the game on Wednesday night at the Garden when the Knicks lost to the Cavs. When Randall had six points and six rebounds. Except for that game, Randall, every game this year, has done everything but shoot well and score well. Now, all right, shooting well and scoring well is very important for Randall, but he's rebounded. He's averaging double digit rebounds. He's had five double doubles in six games so far this season. And he's also distributed the ball, even last night. Five for 20 from the field, one for nine from three point range, but he had five assists. And the biggest shot that the Knicks hit last night with a minute and 10 left. Brunson hitting the three to put the Knicks up 103-101. That was off a kick out from Julius Randle. So he still has that part of his game. You just like to see more of it, especially when the shot isn't falling. It seems like Randle in these games is trying to shoot his way out of this shooting slump as opposed to letting the game come to him. I think that's a better approach to take right now the way that the first six games have gone for Randle. 1-800-919-3776, here till 6 on 98.7 ESPN New York. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.
Monday Night Football against the L.A. Chargers. A must-win game for the Jets. Either way, we'll have the Knicks covered on Monday. Knicks and Clippers. We'll have the Jets covered on Monday. Jets and Chargers all for you on ESPN New York. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Ray in Brooklyn. Ray, how you doing? Hey, Pat, I'm good, buddy. Listen, thanks for taking the call. Um, I, I, I called about Joel Embiid because you compelled me to call about him, and I'm going to make an impassioned plea on why the Knicks should stay away. But first, let me touch on Randall real quick. Randall was not injured. You know, if somebody puts that out there, the organization or somebody, you know, anybody on the PR staff, it's just to make him feel better about himself. The Knicks would not have traded OB Toppin if that were the case. Um so that, that's all I want to say about that. Somebody just needs him to look at the calendar, let him realize it's not the playoffs yet. It's okay to play well. It's the regular <laughs> season. <laughs> so, yeah, so, Pat, the next thing, right, my impassioned plea, and, and the lovely Apple mentioned Julian behind the glass, I think she agreed with, with his take. Um, with Embiid, listen, the Knicks, that would be a lateral move because of the stuff that we're giving up. Like, it's rumored that we're giving up Randall, who's a hell of a regular season player, you know, these five games aside. Uh, six games aside, and then you got to give up Mitchell Robinson, Grimes, or quickly, and Barrett, and two picks. That is the wrong move to make. He's 29 going on 39. That would make us – that's a lateral move considering everything we're giving up at this current juncture, and in the future it doesn't bode well because he doesn't age well. And about his game, he has zero leadership, zero accountability. It's always someone else's fault. And he – listen, Pat. He had basically a super team a few years ago with Ben Simmons when he was still Ben Simmons, Jimmy freaking Butler in his prime. All Butler does is make the finals without Embiid with less talent, by the way. And he had he had J.J. Redick on the wing. He had playoff-proven sniper Danny Green on the other side. He, he had, uh, you know, Tobias Harris in a supporting role. And that, I mean, that team can't, he, his ceiling is the second round. I can't, I listen, I need people to stop. You know, let's fan the let's fan the flames on it. Let's not throw fuel fuel on the fire. That is the wrong move to make. This current iteration of the Knicks have already reached where Joel Embiid has gotten in the last ten years. You know what I'm saying? We'll be well, okay. we well Ray, more reliable. Ray, he gets there every mm-hmm. year though. The Knicks got there once. But hold on, Pat. Okay, I understand that. But so what? If Patrick Ewing made it to the second round every year, we wouldn't be defending him. I thought Philly was a tough sports town. I thought we were. Patrick Ewing made two NBA finals, might have won the second one if he actually played in it. We were 2-0 against San Antonio that season with the Twin Towers. And, you know, we would have had a shot. Every game, I know you're a big Knicks fan, and you know your sports. Every game was super close without Patrick Ewing. I'm just saying. Yeah, you had Chris Dudley as the starting center. (laughs) <laughs> if the yeah, if the Knicks fans treated Patrick Ewing that way, this town is not for Embiid. He would request a trade in five minutes because we're not going to put up with second round exits, and we're not going to continuously make excuses for this guy when he's had so much talent. And like I said, if you trade everything and leave the roster bare with just him and Brunson, where is that team going? It's a lateral move at best. We might take a step back. That team is not anywhere near the teams he's had in Philly the last several years who have maxed out at the second round. And we killed James Harden. He won two games all by himself. How many games did Embiid win by himself? He crapped out in game six and seven with 13 points respectively. Like, come on. This guy is a choker. Please, let's fan the flames on it. Let's not speak into existence. Something better will, will come up.
Well, thank Ray, you thank now. you for the call. Ray, Ray promised an impassioned plea, and I would say that was the definition of an impassioned plea. So good job by you, Ray. You make some good points. I'm trying to walk through this now. And, and by the way, this is completely hypothetical, but it's fun. First and foremost, the Knicks, as currently constituted, they do need a star. But here's the problem. And I, I went through the teams earlier in the show that don't need a star. There's like six of them. And why would they, why would any of those teams willingly give up a star? You know, Boston with Tatum. I don't even need to name the guys. I'll just name the teams. Boston, Denver, Golden State, Philadelphia, um, Los Angeles, the Lakers, that is. You know, that, that those are the teams who have a star. And, and, um, and Phoenix, all right? The Knicks need a star. You know, even if Randall was playing at his capabilities, at the level he played at last year, even if he was, and the Knicks were sitting here at 4-2 and two right now, they would still need a star to make that, that final jump to the upper echelon. And that it's very difficult to get that guy because there's so few of them. And you charge teams that have them who are forced to get rid of them. By the way, the Bucks. I'm sorry, I forgot about the Bucks. They have a star too. Um, teams that are forced to get rid of stars only do so by charging an arm and a leg so what would that look like all right a hypothetical trade let's walk through this julius okay rj barrett okay mitchell robinson all right i i don't think it's realistic to expect those three plus quentin grimes or emmanuel quickly i think a mitchell an rj a julius and let's just say three first-round draft picks for the Knicks, okay? So what is that? The question is, what does that leave you with? All right, well, it leaves you with Brunson. Good. I mean, it leaves you with quickly, okay? It leaves you with Quinton Grimes, okay? It leaves you with Josh Hart. It leaves you with Dante DiVincenzo. It leaves you with Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, and it leaves you with Joel Embiid. I saved the best for last. I said this in the offseason with Embiid, and Ray makes really, really good points about Embiid's playoff performances. They've left a lot to be desired. They really have. But his regular season performances haven't. If I'm the Knicks, or anybody, but we're speaking about the Knicks right now, if I'm looking at trading for Embiid, it's now or it's never. Because in two or three years, he's already not aging well. Okay? I think the window for Embiid is two or three years, maybe one or two years at this like top level. But this top level is the MVP of the league. All right? So that's a pretty good top level. And then after that, one or two years of really high-level, all-star level. And then, it, and then it starts to taper off. The points he made were, were good. That was a, f- a good Philly team with Butler and Ben Simmons before all of his Ben Simmons nonsense that has altered the course of his career with Embiid, with Tobias Harris, with J.J. Rick. That was a really good Sixers team. That, that, shows, that was a really good Raptors team, too. That shows how good Kawhi Leonard was in 2019. That was their best chance in hindsight. But Brunson is the important – Brunson's the X factor here, okay? Embiid, the last two years in the playoffs, 
suffered injuries, okay? That's a risk you're going to take if you acquire him. And he was also playing with James Harden as his number two option, not with Jalen Brunson. In the playoffs, Jalen Brunson is not James Harden. You know, I want to hear the caller right now. Please call me up right now and tell me if you're the caller who would rather go to war with James Harden in the playoffs instead of Jalen Brunson. So what does a team look like with Brunson, Grimes, Hart, Embiid, DiVincenzo? I don't know. You lose three first-round draft picks going forward because that's what it would look like. And, and, and you might have to get rid of either Quickly or, or Grimes on top of that. I don't know that's a lateral move. If you do it now, and again, this is all hypothetical, but it's kind of fun thought exercise to go through. If you do it now, I don't think it's a lateral move. I think you're better. I really do because of Jalen Brunson. You know, Brunson's better. Brunson right now is better than Jimmy Butler was with with the 76ers that year. Jimmy Butler then was not Jimmy Butler now. All right? I'm comparing Brunson now to 2019 version of Jimmy Butler. Brunson now is better than that guy. 1-800-919-3776. couple minutes, a couple more calls, and uh, we'll wrap things up. Again, Rangers pregame coming up at 7.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.